0: From Argus Media, this is Driving Discussions, a podcast series that focuses on the forces that affect North American road fuels. Greetings and salutations once again. I'm Jason Metco, Argus' U.S. Gulf Coast Blendstocks reporter. And on this edition of the series, we chat with our U.S. downstream oil reporter, Nathan Risser, about the evolving world of domestic refineries, and how their operations will be affecting the road fuel consumer this summer. Nathan, good to have you on the presentation for the first time. Thanks for stopping by. Let's jump right into it. And uh, first focus here on the, I guess, the structural landscape of U.S. refining, because obviously it has changed a great deal since the pandemic. Where are we on the current status of how things look on a structural level? And what are we seeing on the horizon here?
1: yeah hey Jason. thanks for having me on the uh, on the podcast. So arguably the biggest structural shift in refining over the last three years has been the closures and renewable conversions of crude refineries if If we look at the data from the energy information administration u s crude oil distillation capacity as of february twenty twenty three is roughly seventeen point six million barrels a day. that same data point in 2019 early 2020 was in the the low to mid 18 million barrels a day range so the way to think about it is the US has lost about 1 million barrels a day of refining capacity since the onset of the pandemic now why is that a problem the problem is that demand has recovered so gasoline jet diesel demand is near or at pre-pandemic levels of demand. So we're in the situation where we have less capacity, recovering or recovered demand, little appetite for new capacity additions in the US. And all that means is that we have a tight refining market. Now that's not to say there haven't been some capacity additions recently. There's been a lot of fanfare about some expansions along the Gulf Coast, but nearly all that incremental barrel-a-day capacity increase is going to be netted out by the end of the year by a few closures along the Gulf Coast. So if we look into some of those projects, the big, the big four ones we've been thinking about are, number one, ExxonMobil's Beaumont, Texas refinery added around 250,000 barrels a day of light crude refining capacity to an existing 370,000 barrel-a-day facility. Next, you've got Marathon in Galveston Bay, which added about 40,000 barrels a day of crude refining capacity, 17,000 barrels a day of residual fuel upgrading capacity to around a a 600,000-barrel-a-day refinery. You also had Valera in Texas, New Coker, added 55,000-barrels-a-day capacity. And then Venezuelan-owned Sitgo with their Lake Charles, Louisiana refinery very quietly added 38,000 barrels a day capacity which they announced in earnings that came out last week. Add those all up, you've got about 400,000 barrels a day of new capacity along the Gulf Coast that came online or is coming online in the first half of this year. But there's two issues there. One, you don't need to be very good at maths to work out that that's less than a million barrels a day. Two, Lindo Basell is closing a 265,000-barrel-a-day refinery by the end of the year. And Vertex, a specialty refiner down in Mobile, Alabama, is converting a 70,000-barrel-a-day refinery to renewable diesel production. So of that 400,000-barrels a day that's come online, about three-quarters of it is going to be netted off by the end of the year. So that's the current situation. If we think about what's going to be happening on the horizon, What looks likely is more potential refinery closures or conversions, and certainly not new greenfield sites. When the ExxonMobil Beaumont expansion came online, commentators very much saw it as perhaps the largest, the, the last largest capacity expansion in the US, potentially in its refining history. What we're more likely to see is closures, and what's interesting is where those are gonna happen. A lot of people are looking to the Atlantic coast as a place where refinery closures are more likely. That's driven by smaller refineries over there, potentially older refineries, and companies seeing when a major turnaround or maintenance activity is coming up, that it might be economic to close or sell the refinery as opposed to spending that capital. So the Atlantic coast is one area everyone's looking at. The other area is the West Coast. That's for a different reason. Specifically in California, some legislation was passed by Governor Newsom's office recently to allow the CEC, the California Energy Commission, to start gathering data on refining margins. The idea for those supporting the bill is to mitigate against what they see price gouging by oil companies in the West Coast which led to high retail prices at the pump. The the um, industry body for refiners out on the West Coast, the Western States Petroleum Association, has come out and said refineries have left California before, and may do again if the operating environment, with legislation like this, becomes inhibitive to their operations. So, Atlantic Coast, West Coast, those areas we're looking at potentially for closures, and the kind of assets you'd be thinking for closure or conversion are smaller refineries older refineries where the maintenance upkeep is not worth running, say, a 100,000-barrel-a-day
0: facility. He is Nathan Risser. He's our U.S. downstream oil reporter. This is another edition of Driving Discussions, production of Argus Media. So we've got expansion for some, we've got reduction for others, closings, maybe just moving out of state as the case of California. As far as a corporate outlook goes here, Nathan, what does that look like and how is that going to play out, do you think, over the next few months?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, talking about closures, it seems all doom and gloom for the industry, but the corporate outlook is actually very good. So... We looked at the average refining margin in the first quarter earnings that were just reported over the last month and a half by US refiners. And if we take six major US refiners that report aggregate margin data for the products they're selling, they were up in the first quarter roughly 70 percent compared to the same quarter in 2022. One thing that shows is the speed of the post-COVID-19 pandemic recovery and fuel demand and it shows that refiners are in a good position at the moment profitability-wise but the caveat here is that those first quarter margins also dipped just below the 2022 average and they are down by about a third from the near historic margins seen in the second quarter of 2022 so that's the big narrative right now 2022 was a bumper year for north american refiner profitability but As they signaled last year those margins are going to start to moderate. I mean a big factor that supports why they're still profitable is the rerouted diesel distillate flows to Europe that have replaced sanctioned Russian barrels following the, the start of the war in Ukraine. What happened there is that led to low US inventories putting upper pressure on crack spreads therefore refining margins leading to good profits for refiners. With demand recovering and a lean US refining system, as we just discussed with the closures, that sets up a good structural position for refiners through the end of 2024. Another interesting way to think about it as Bank of America does with their analysts who cover refining is they they say that in the US we're having a regional golden age of refining. 10 years ago, they had this big research report, a thesis that it was going to be the global golden age of refining. It was a good time for margins in the industry. They revised that recently to say that we're going to have a regional golden age of refining and what's going to happen is the US is going to emerge as the high margin global leader despite global competition. A big reason for that is US refiners have access to cheap indigenous natural gas to use in their operations which if you think about refiners in Europe it's significantly more expensive there to run so that's the situation it's good for refiners what are we going to see in the summer summer driving season we're likely to see high utilization rates at these refineries last year when demand was recovering following the pandemic refiners ran very hard above historical averages to meet that demand so as we go into a summer driving season this year where demand is arguably even higher we're likely to see high utilization rates What that means is we'll want to keep an eye on any shutdowns and outages throughout the summer when we have high utilization rates, high demand and a tight refining system. Any outages or industrial incidents could have an outsized impact. So we'd be paying close attention to what goes on in the large US refiners throughout the Gulf Coast and the East Coast and the Mid-Continent during the summer. Just to expand it a little bit to maybe the, the kind of more medium term to longer term Outlook, um, there were some headwinds to margins and refiner profitability that came up on the recent earnings calls. Largely, they were downplayed in the short term by management, but there's still areas that the industry is keeping an eye on. The first is global capacity expansions that could impact US refining margins. The two big elephants in the room here are the 600,000-barrel-a-day Nigerian refinery Dangote, and kuwait's six hundred fifteen thousand barrels a day al zoo refinery those are starting up or starting up this year there's uncertainty about exact timelines but what what could happen there is as over a million barrels a day of refined product start coming onto the market that could depress u.s margins specifically for those export distillate barrels that have been going to europe the other worry is that growth might moderate after the initial post-pandemic surge. Last year was very good for refiners when demand across products recovered or was recovering to near pandemic levels, but we might see that tapering off slightly this year. And then the third broader issue, Um, or worry for refiners is the downward pressure on margins in the event of a recession. Specifically, that would affect diesel if we have a recession and lower manufacturing activity that will lower the demand for diesel and therefore the price. Diesel distillates have been a big leader for refining profitability in the last year. So this is a headwind they're, they're thinking about. So to sum that all up, the key thing to remember is that margins are moderating but they're simply moderating from a very high historic year of refiner profit. So the outlook's still good. Through the end of 2024, refiners remain bullish about U.S. US refining profitability.
0: A couple more minutes here with our U.S. downstream oil reporter, Nathan Risser. This is Driving Discussions. We talk about the corporate side, the high utilization rate. You mentioned all of that. What about for the consumer? What are they looking at the next few months, especially since the summer driving season we're talking now, middle of May, it's basically underway, Nathan.
1: Yeah, let's, let's talk about that. The When we think about summer driving season, it's about the supply-demand balance in the country. So far, the demand picture is a little bit mixed, and this is what a lot of refiners have been talking about over the last month. So Phillips 66, their earnings call recently, they said summer gasoline demand is expected to surpass 2022 levels for their system, their internal sales system. Um, HF Sinclair came out and said they are going to see a really strong driving season, having already seen internal sales of diesel jet and gasoline surpass average 2022 levels. But that doesn't mean we're going to go back to pre-COVID-19 pandemic levels necess- necessarily. And the EIA recently forecast the summer gasoline demand will not recover to those levels this summer. Refiners like Marathon have also come out and said that they see a sort of 3% deficit in gasoline to pre-COVID-19 levels as pretty likely. The reasons behind that, not necessarily certain. Some people talk about electric vehicle adoption, but the actual adoption of it probably isn't sufficient enough to lead to that 3% deficit. Others talk about mobility data, post-pandemic work from home habits might change gasoline demand, but either way, the takeaway is that the demand picture is a little bit mixed. So we're gonna have to wait till that peak week of the 4th of July, the sort of peak summer driving week to see how that picture is coming out. Um, I was at a fuel wholesaler conference in New Orleans a couple of weeks ago and the buyers and sellers there were very much echoing what we're hearing from the refiners which is mixed opinions and slight uncertainty about the level we're going to get back to in the summer one one really interesting thing that people are watching is um, the driving season on the atlantic coast so bank of america who we spoke about previously with their golden age of refining thesis one of their analysts was asking on calls recently you know, this is going to be the first normal or near normal demand season on the Atlantic Coast after a very significant 330,000 barrel a day refinery, Philadelphia Energy Solutions, shut down in 2019. Now, the Atlantic Coast was the region which was arguably hit most by low distillates inventories and low, su- low fuel supply in the summer last year. So if there's anywhere that's going to be tight for drivers, potentially could be subject to above normal price increases the atlantic coast with its own supply issues from 2019 could be there to look at end of the day though compared to last summer the pump price for consumers is looking good so in the may short-term energy outlook the eia lowered its gasoline and diesel price forecasts for the whole year but also came out and said that the summer driving season prices will be 20 percent below 2022 levels What that means for them on their forecasts is a $3.40 a gallon US average, a $3.00 a gallon average on the Gulf Coast and a $4.30 average on the West Coast. One thing to bear in mind there is that the EIA's summer driving season is defined as April to September. Many others consider it beginning in May, specifically on Memorial Day, the last Monday in May. So the inclusion of the April and May data into the EIA estimate might put their forecast slightly slightly lower than what will actually come out. But either way, compared to last summer, the situation is good. We'll be closely watching those specific regional areas which might have supply constraints, such as the Atlantic coast. But with the current supply and the current demand recovery, Prices are likely to do better than last year from a retail perspective.
0: And I believe weather-wise as well, we're supposed to have an El Nino, which typically means less hurricanes. Cross our fingers that happens as well. Fingers crossed. Nathan, thank you so much for doing this, my friend. Let's talk sometime in the fall, okay? Let's do it. He is our U.S. downstream oil reporter here at Argus, Nathan Risser. And with that, we conclude yet another edition of Driving Discussions, a production of Argus Media, a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. This reminder to check out our previous episodes in this series. And for more information on Argus's U.S. refined products coverage, make sure you check out argusmedia.com forward slash U.S. products.